You're most likely familiar with the Ten Commandments in the Bible, stuff we generally take as good advice. Don't murder, don't steal, honor your parents, the list goes on. And those are just the first ten. There are actually a total of 613 commands, all given to ancient Israel, found in the first five books of the Bible, which in Hebrew are called the Torah. Now the word Torah is usually translated in English as the law, because it has all of these laws in it. And as you read through them, you wonder, Am I supposed to obey some of these? All of these? I mean, what's the purpose of the law? Well, that translation is kind of confusing because while the Torah has laws in it, the book itself is fundamentally a story about how God is creating new kinds of people who are fully able to love God and love others. And when Jesus taught about the Torah, he said that he was bringing that story to its fulfillment. So walk me through the story and how it's fulfilled. So the story begins with God creating humanity who rebels. And God chooses Abraham to bless all of the nations through his family, who end up in slavery down in Egypt, and so God rescues them. Then at Mount Sinai, God makes a covenant with Israel, like an agreement. And all of the laws that Moses gives to Israel are the terms of that agreement. They're like a constitution. And so some of the laws are about rituals and customs that set Israel apart from the nations. Other laws are about social justice or morality. And by following these, Israel would show the other nations what God is like. Okay, so the rest of the Torah is just the complete list of laws that Moses gives Israel? Mm, no, the rest of the Torah just continues the story. And the 613 commands are only a selection from that original constitution. And even these have been broken up and placed at strategic points within the story. Now pay attention, because you'll see a really clear pattern. Moses gives the first laws to Israel. Yeah, don't worship other gods, don't make idols. And then right after that, there's a story of Israel breaking those very laws. Yeah, they worship the golden calf. And so Moses gives some more laws, and then you get more stories of rebellion. Some more laws, rebellion again, some more laws, more rebellion, and you start to see the point. Right, no matter how many laws, they're just going to continue to rebel. So at the conclusion of the Torah's story, Moses gives this final speech to Israel as they prepare to go into their new home. And he tells them, you guys, I know that you're not going to follow all of God's laws. You've proven to me that you're incapable. And Moses says the problem is that their hearts are hard and that they're going to need new, transformed hearts if they're ever going to truly follow God's law. And he was right. I mean, the story goes on to recount Israel's total failure. They go into the land, they break all the laws. Right. Now, the next section of books in the Jewish tradition are the 15 books of the prophets, and they reflect back on the story. For example, Ezekiel, he said that if Israel was ever going to obey the law, God's spirit would have to transform their hard hearts into soft hearts. And Jeremiah said that's when obedience to God's command wouldn't feel like a duty, but they would be written deep in their hearts. And Isaiah, he promised a future leader, Israel's Messiah, who will lead all of the people in obedience to the law. Now, in Jewish tradition, all of these books together are called the prophets, even the historical books, because they're continuing the story told from the perspective of the prophets. Okay, so we have the law and the prophets, and they're telling one connected story about God's desire to bless the whole world through a people, Israel, who it turns out needs a new heart. Yes, and Jesus saw himself as continuing that story. So he agreed with the law and the prophets when he taught that it's out of the human heart that come the most ugly parts of human nature. It's like the default setting of our hearts is opposed to God's law. But Jesus also said that he came to solve that problem, and in his words, to fulfill the law. 
So what does he mean there to fulfill the law? Well, first he said that the demand of all of the laws in the Torah could be fulfilled by what he called the great command, that we are to love God and to love others. So that seems pretty easy. I mean, we all want to love. Well, we think we want to love. But Jesus showed how love is far more demanding than we realize. So he quotes the law, do not murder. And he says, yes, not killing someone is a very loving thing to do. But then he also says that when you treat someone with disrespect or when you nurse resentment against them, you're also violating God's moral ideal because you're not treating that person with love. And so Jesus said true love ought to extend even to our own enemies. So even though this command seems very simple, Jesus showed how our hearts are not currently equipped to fulfill even this basic command of God to love others. And that's kind of a downer. But where Israel failed, Jesus brought this story to its fulfillment. As Israel's Messiah, he fully loved God and others, and he showed all of the nations what God is truly like. He did this through his acts of compassion and mercy, and ultimately by loving his enemies even unto death. And after his resurrection, he told his followers that he would send God's Spirit to transform their hearts so that they could follow him and fulfill the purpose of the law, to love God and to love their neighbor. So this fulfills the story of the law and the prophets, or in the words of the Apostle Paul, the one who loves fulfills the law. Okay, that's it. Good night. We're done here. Um, for those of you who haven't been around um, this whole semester, we've been doing this series called Love is the Doctrine. And it's an examination of this mission that we have uh, that we call love God and love others. And that's an easy thing to say, right? And we say that a lot. Uh, we throw those words around. Um, but uh, upon further examination, and just like uh, in the video, uh, that it makes clear, it's actually not as easy as uh, we sometimes make it sound, or that we want to believe that it is. And so we're looking at um, all kinds of the, the, the depths of what that means uh, this semester. And we've actually been off of this uh, for the last several weeks, uh, starting with retreats and then uh, uh, Jester night and, uh, and uh, LST night. So we're finally kind of coming back around uh, uh, to really getting back into this uh, tonight. <coughs> but um, I want to ask you a question, and um, I just want to—I want you to just search your mind and your heart because it's a hard question. How uh, we've been saying that the greatest commandments of God are love God and love others. How do we know this? How do we know that? How do we know that the greatest commandments are love God and love others? What? what? Jesus told you that? <laughs> Jesus did not directly tell you that. Okay, then how do you know that? You read it. <laughs> you read it. Um, <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> it's, on the, it's on the internet. It's right there. <laughs> it's on Wikipedia. <laughs> Put it in there myself. Uh, right, you read it, okay? Nathan says he read it. Where did you read it? In the Bible. The Bible, right? Uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of all that God was doing, uh, kind of like the, the, the video illustrated. 
how do we know this? Jesus was the fulfillment of all that God was doing. How do we know this? What? The Bible. The, the Bible. The Bible. This is one time where these kinds of answers actually work for you, right? It's the, we, we read it, right? And, and, you know, okay, so, yeah, I mean, just because you read it, how, how do you know that's true? Okay, that's, that's a whole another very complicated philosophical question, okay? We're going to deal with a whole lot of that tonight, but that is a very important question. But we, we know these things, or we le we're at least, at the very least, we're aware of the notion of these things because we have read it. And where have we read it? We've read it in the Bible. Jesus loves me, this I know. What? What? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Right? There's, there's, a, there's a power in that. Even that, that little children's lyric, right? I know this because the Bible has revealed this um, to me. <coughs> now, if we're, if we're going to go back and we're going we're to talk about this um, love God commandment, right? And Jesus, the words of Jesus were love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. Those actually weren't the words of Jesus. Those were, his words were in Aramaic, right? But, um, but that's what he says here. And he's pulling out of Deuteronomy uh, to say that. And we are, we're not just told that God loves you in that. We are called to an action. Now, we've been through uh, the notions in here uh, of how much God has loved us and how we understand the love of God and the depth of the love of God and how that compels us and how that shapes us, right? But uh, we're, still, we're still left with this notion that... Uh, that we are called to love God. So we've, we've talked about our motivations for loving God that come from his love. Uh, but I want to talk about the kind of things that we do when we find ourselves in love. Now, we did a little bit of this a few weeks ago. What are the kinds of things that you do when you find yourself just enraptured with somebody? Let's talk about that a little more. Let's flesh that out. You give them a big hug. This is what Travis does. Um, Probably not what Bree does, right? <laughs> we, we all do that in different ways, right? Uh, what, are, what are other things that you do? Yes. You want to get to know them more. Okay. Okay. What are, what are ways that we, uh, we find ourselves, like, ch working to get to know people that we're kind of enraptured with more? What do we do? What are some of the things you've done? Just, just, let's just, it's a safe place. We love each other, right? What, what's what happens here stays here. Right? You do what they do, okay? Okay. What else? You you <laughs> you plan your day so you accidentally run into them. Yes. <laughs> Nathan's drawing on very deep experience here. <laughs> Thank you. I like it. Awesome. What else? I love this. We'll just do this tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you Google search it. 
Yes, this is true. That can be revealing. Um, so, <laughs> and like only kind of related to that uh, is, and and she's gonna she's gonna murder me uh, for saying this, but I'm gonna still gonna say it because uh, I still hold it against her. Is that I okay in in the midst of my so I meet this girl named Jenny. She's great, right? And we all know how great Jenny is, right? I mean, where it's this just clear. So, but you know, Jenny uh, Grabner was uh, her maiden name. Jenny Grabner. Oh, what is this? Zanga.com. So anybody remember Zanga? <laughs> we got one hand back there. <laughs> the older, <laughs> There's the old guys in the back, right? Zanga. Who knows what Zanga? Who can who can explain what Zanga is? What has Zanga been? Yeah, yeah. It was kind of. It was like. It was like blogging. It was like social network blogging, right? And so you could you could blog, but then you like within Zanga, you could subscribe to everybody else's blog on Zanga, and it was a big deal, you know. Um, and so yeah, all, some of us older folks we like Zangaed, right? Um, before Facebook came along and all that. Um, but. So, so I found this Zanga of Jeannie Grabner, and it was awesome. <laughs> and I mean, it was it was just one of I just and, and it's this girl I'm like really interested in. So I'm like starting back at the very beginning and reading all through her Zanga. I mean, it's public. It's public on the internet, right? I'm not right. It's out there, okay? I'm not a creep. Uh, uh, but I'm reading Zanga and it's so awesome and it's hilarious and it's creative and she's got all these hilarious poems on there and just things about it. Um, and like I'm, I'm working through reading this over a number of days and then it just disappears. Like it's gone. It's deleted. Like the whole thing is completely deleted. I'm like, what in the heck? And I mean, yeah, she like deleted the whole thing. Like while we were, before we start. Yes, here it goes. I'm the one with the mic. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> Just doing my due diligence. Uh, but yeah, oh man, it was so great. And I wish you could today read the Zanga blog of. Uh, uh, old school Jenny Grabner, um, because it was just so great, and it's part of just what helped me love her so much. Um, but that was uh, that was great finding that because that gave me this insight into who this person was and her personality and her creativity and her joyousness and just her her life experiences and everything. So I learned I learned much about the story of this Ginny girl by being able to read this Zanga. And there was something revealing about that, and there was something true about that, and there was something just fun about that and, um, and educational about that. Um, and you probably, it's probably obvious where I'm going here, right? We find ourselves in love with somebody like, we want to read their book, right? They've they've written this thing. I know that's a that's a that's a oversimplified way to say that about God and the Bible. It's very complex. I know that we can get into that. Um, but the Bible is God's book. The Bible is God's zanga that's been 
written over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, right? That is the story of this one we are in love with. There's the story that draws us into this love that we share with the one who created us. And that's what I want to draw us to tonight. Um, but sad, we know there's a sad reality to this too, right? Kind of hanging over us. We have, we have this God who loves us, who has given us this enormously rich and complex and beautiful and compelling and epic uh, kind of narrative of who he is. And yet most of us uh, spend relatively little time in that. Or we have relatively little experience uh, with that. And that's not to, that's not to uh, guilt any of us about that, because, because why is that the case, right? Uh, and I, th I think, in my experience, is we're intimidated by it. I mean, if you've ever felt intimidated on some level by the Bible, raise your hand, right? Be honest. Man, my hand's way up. I mean, there's, there's something kind of oddly intimidating about the Bible, right? It's big, and it's, and it's crazy, and it's complex, and it's old, and it's new, and it's prophets, and law, and history, and poetry, and, and letters, and how do we make sense of all that if we don't know what to do uh, with all of that? And, that's, and I get that. I get that. That's okay. I mean, if you're if you're kind of if you have not been ushered into the Bible, then how do you know just what to do with it? But I want to so I want to give you some motivations uh, when it comes to that tonight, and it's just some simple ideas when it comes to what I'm going to call the Word, right? And I'm going to basically refer to the Bible as the Word uh, through the rest of tonight, and that is that the simple idea that I think is, is profound, and that is the word helps us to know God. The word helps us to know God. The Bible is the vehicle we have to know the story of God. And that's why I think this video is very illuminating. This very video kind of puts in very simple terms. It, it, it takes us up to the love God and love others idea, right? But how does it do that? It takes us through the biblical narrative that shows why that's such an important idea and why that idea is just not, not just a good idea. It actually comes out of a developing, powerful, uh, crazy kind of narrative that, that goes through the entire Old Testament um, and the history of the people of Israel and the giving of the law, and the rejection of the law, and the giving of more law, and the rejection of law, and, and, the, and then how the prophets dealt with that, and, uh, and the leading into Jesus, and how he becomes the fulfillment of all of that that was taking place with what God was doing. But we know all of that by being immersed in that story through the text of the Word. Uh, <coughs> the Bible is revealing of God who he is, what he does, and how he relates to us. 
Um, and I think the, the video makes a very strong point in that, and, and this, I think, affects how we, how we go to something like the Bible. Um, now, we're, we're, we're not going to spend uh, very much time in here tonight on just all these structures of the Bible. I want to I wanna, uh, challenge us to that here at the end. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's easy to read that as, as just all of this massive kinds of information uh, to take in. And a lot of it is. And there, there, there is a, a tremendous amount of just kind of raw information uh, within the Bible. But it starts to make sense when we put it into the story of God. And, and that's even in the video. All of this information fits into a narrative that's being uh, woven uh, through the text of the word that reveals what God is doing. Uh, so it's revealing of God, of who he is, what he does, and how he relates to us. So the word helps us to know God. Now, the word helps us to not just know God, but to experience God. And this is a whole other level when it comes to our engagement of the word. So the word is not just an information, information source. We don't read it just to know about God or even about the story of God. And the writer of Hebrews makes this point really clear in a very sharp kind of way. And the writer says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, this is powerful language to put on put to words on the page, right? How, when is that ever, have, have you ever read something that just penetrates deep into who you are? Well, this writer is saying that's exactly what the word is, and that's exactly what the word is doing. The word is alive. The word is the moving of the spirit in our minds and our hearts and our souls and our lives, right? We're not reading history here we are right but we are reading more than that the word of the spirit of god that is moving in us and i want you to experience it like that and he's the writer of hebrews that the context of that is the uh the the writer calling these people back to faithfulness saying don't abandon don't abandon this faith that has shaped you that has made you who you are that has given you this freedom because uh, for these he for these hebrews everything's getting really difficult and he's saying bring yourself back to the word bring yourself back to the word and you will be moved in your spirits by it and we believe that there's a spiritual nature to the word it's not just informational it works in us, it teaches us, it shapes us, it knows us, and it pushes us. So the word helps us to know God, the word helps us to experience God, and the word helps us to explain God. 1 Peter 3, the 15th verse, Peter says this, 
But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Being able to map scripture onto your experiences and to those of others is a powerful experience that brings God and the word alive. I can't tell you how much it means to be in a conversation with somebody and know that there is something from the word that you can, you can lay right on top of exactly what they are experiencing. And you don't even have to say, like, let me tell you what the Bible says about that. <laughs> right? Because you just, you just get used to say because the word is, is alive in your heart. You, like, hey, there's this story. Let me tell you this story that happens. And the story unfolds. And it turns out to be their story. And the Bible, in that moment, is more alive than you ever can imagine, right? But that only comes about when the Word is alive in us, when the Word, when we have been in the Word, we're familiar with the Word, we know the Word, and the Word has shaped us uh, in that kind of way. And God says, I'm not just doing that to shape you, I'm doing that fill your heart to overflowing so that it goes to others. But I'm using the word to do that. So the word helps us to know God. The word helps us to experience God. And the word helps us to explain God. Let me tell you some truths that I've experienced over my years with the word. The word never gets old. That's an amazing thing about the word. Um, do a little sidebar plug for let's start talking. Okay. So some of you, a lot, a lot of you were here last week. We, we, we went into depth about what let's start talking is. And for those of you who weren't here, that's our, um, that's our, our big uh, summer mission program that we do. We send teams of students all around the world. And the core of that work is you sit down with people, non-native English speakers, who are seeking to uh, have conversation and reading with a native English speaker to improve their English. And so you have that, all of you in this room have that ability. Uh, so you're automatically qualified uh, for that work if you were thinking uh, otherwise. Um, but you sit down and, and the, the basis of that work is to read uh, and, and have conversation from the word. And there's some people uh, who, that, you know, that's, they just want the English, uh, and that's a great, that's the service that we provide. Um, but there's some that when they get into the Word, and you're talking about the Word, and you're conversing about the Word, man, it just, it does something in them. Something that's even hard to explain. Something that's not even tangible in the moment, and over time, and there's, there's seeds that are planted and amazing. So if you're interested in that, um, there's a sign-up sheet, sheet over there. Um, you can put your name on. Uh, so, but let me tell you an experience that happens within that. So you do this work, and here's a little bit of reality. Sometimes you end up reading the same thing over. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, 
dear Theophilus, my dearest Theophilus. <laughs> right. Well, you, you, end up, you end up reading these same things over and 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 over, and over with lots of uh, different people. But, and it's like, you would think that that would get really monotonous. That would get really old. And maybe in some ways, in some moments, and sometimes it feels like that, right? Right? But I think there's also in some times, in some moments, in some ways, uh, the Holy Spirit moves in a way that reveals something new to you in a piece of the word that you've read 800 million thousand times. That's a number. Man, I never saw that before. I never thought of that before. Like a piece of the puzzle kind of clicks into place in your life and your heart in just this little thing that you've read 800 million thousand times. And that's the active living word at work. And so even in a work like that, where you're doing something simple and you're reading you know, simple stories in, in a simple language, some simplified English that you're reading from, with people, the spirit says, this is my word, and I'm going to use this. Not just in people who have not read it before, but in you who think you know everything about it. It never gets less fascinating. The Bible never fails to reveal more of who God is, no matter where you are in your journey. That's another awesome thing about the Bible. Whether you are a total and complete beginner and you don't know where to find Genesis in the Bible or you are the most advanced theologian uh, in the Ivy League, the word always has more for you. More of who God is. More of what God is doing in you. More of what God is doing in the world more of what God has done in the world. And that is awesome. And so I'm sure there's some of you in this room, and I actually hope that it's a lot of you in this room, whether you um, have, have never cracked the Bible in your life or you've been in church and you just think you know everything uh, for years and years, um, saying, how do I do this? How do I... How do I invest myself more into this? Hey, good question. Um, some very simple and practical um, encouragements for you guys to think about. Um, and the first is just really simple, um, but it actually requires discipline. And that is to follow a Bible reading plan. And there's, there's a million Bible reading plans out there. Um, there is a, a, a Bible app that I think is very, very good. It's actually just called the Bible app, right? Um, and you can look it up on your app store. A lot of you guys have it on your phones. Uh, and, and inside the Bible app, um, and it's, uh, it's the app is produced by LifeChurch.tv. They're great. Um, they actually have a lot of uh, uh, very different kinds of reading plans kind of based on what you may be interested in or how long you want to spend uh, reading in the Bible or where you want to read in the Bible. So there's options are out there. And you just have to say, I want to do this, but I need some structure to do it. Well, yeah, like we want to, all of us want to do something significant. You need some kind of structure uh, to do that. And so look up a Bible uh, reading plan. Um, 
there's, uh, we, we've talked about it in here. We haven't emphasized it as much this year as we uh, have last year, but I want to encourage you uh, to see things like He and She Reads Truth. Um, and that's not just a Bible reading. It's a, uh, it's a sl- Bible, selected Bible readings uh, plus devotional reading. Um, and so it kind of helps you to, uh, to understand uh, the, the, the meaning and the significance uh, of what you've been reading. Uh, and so a lot of people in here f- uh, found that to be a really uh, valuable resource. So, so it's hereadstruth.com and shereadstruth.com. Uh, and if you're a man, you can still go to shereadstruth.com or, or vice versa. You know, it's okay. Nobody's checking. Um, uh, so that's, uh, that's another thing, and there's lots of things that are like that. Uh, there are kind of devotional uh, Bible readings that just help you to establish uh, a, a routine and a discipline uh, of doing that. Um, if you want to um, kind of get a little more in-depth uh, on a, a little bit more of an intellectual level on how do I understand the Bible, how do I read the Bible uh, in ways that kind of help me understand what it's doing. There's some great resources uh, like this one. It's called How to, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Um, and this is a really, uh, it's, there's nothing complex about this, but it helps you to understand all the pieces of the Bible, the structure of the Bible, the literature of the Bible, the how, what, how different parts of the Bible are doing different things. Um, so great, great resource. If anyone will look that up or buy that, or uh, this, is m- this is mine, you can borrow it. Um, um, but really even, hey, you want to say, help me. I'm here to help you. Because guess what? Helping you helps me. Um, and like right now, um, Alexis and I are, are, are reading through Acts uh, together every week, and it's this is an extraordinary experience, and boy, she's doing an amazing job of just reading. Boy, she is sucking everything out of every verse in that, and has the greatest questions of this thing she's not really experienced before, and I love that. love doing that journey with you, and that's so great, and if any of you have just any desires like that, I would love to do that um, with you, because I love that, too. I get a lot um, out of that. Um, and it's so great. But I want to leave you uh, with this tonight. Be in the word. Because that's h- how we love. That is one way that we have to love God. To grow in our love for God. To discover the depths of our love uh, for God. And in what he's doing in us uh, with the word. And it kind of always does come back to he's doing something to us. right? Like we're called to love him. But in our love for him, we just always discover that he's just, like, always one-upping our love, right? But that's great, because that, that just calls us to greater love and motivates us to greater love all the time. And that's exactly what the word does for us. Uh, so let me challenge you th- to that tonight. Let's pray about that together. Father, we are uh, just find ourselves endlessly thankful to you endlessly drawn to you um, in different ways and we know that one of the things that you have gifted us um, in this life uh, that we have is um, is the word and um, and it's so it's uh, just even through time it's been made so convenient to us like any one of us at any time um, in any translation or any language can access the fullness of the word 
uh, that's been handed down to us, Father, and we're s just amazed by that. And so it's so accessible to us, Father. Help us to search after it and to get into it as easy as we do everything else in our lives, Father. We, um, and I know myself, I'm just uh, drawn to the phone and just the endless, uh, the endless mind-numbing uh brain candy that's there, Father, but help that uh, motivation um, in me and in us uh, to be all the more towards uh, the richness of your word in our lives, Father, and to be shaped by that, um, and to learn more about you, and to experience more of you, and to be motivated uh, to share you more with those around us, because how we've because of how we've been filled by that. And so, Father, uh, we give all of this to you right now in the name of Christ.